Hello, and welcome to another episode of Just Talk with Joe Meyer. Thank you for joining me once again, everybody, as we go on to another episode. Happy to be here, and thank you for listening. We have a lot to talk about, but let's start with the theme of the night. Stay tuned. The end is finally here, folks. The end of democracy. For those listening, most of you are in the USA. You know what I'm talking about. And I'm not being overdramatic, am I? I don't think so. A lot has happened in the last couple days, right? So... What do we have a lot to talk about? But let's start things off with a little normalcy before we start getting into it, right? So let's actually talk a little bit about what's going on in my life. Although that's probably not as important as what's going on in the country and around us, right? So let's talk about that. I'll just turn that off for a moment here, everybody. Um, Thank you for joining me. And um, so let, let's start off with the week, um, how everything's going. It's, it's been, you know, it's been good. It's been a little hectic, a little slow. Um, work is starting to pick up a little bit um, in a sense because I'm starting to get more projects. And which is great, you know, it's perfect. And um, just just pushing along, trying to learn and uh, I've been at this job since July, so you know it's only been a couple months, but it, it, I think it's going well, and the people are wonderful there. I'm really happy, and uh, just looking forward to you know longevity there. Uh, my teaching job's going great. Teaching, being with students, um, you know, pretty much trying to teach them life skills, not my own obviously, but I, I do infuse my own you know, expertise and background into the classrooms at times, but it's pretty much straight to the book, right? So for everyone out there, everything's going great. Family's going great. Um, I will soon be celebrating my 10-year anniversary. Um, 
you know, married, marriage anniversary, excuse me. <laughs> so that's coming up on October 2nd. Um, other news, I most likely will be moving soon um, to a better apartment, something with a little more spacious room. So I can have like, since I'm going to be working from home more, um, right here, it's a little cramped where I'm at right now. It's been, we've been here about two and a little over two years. It's small. We, well, although it's just me, the wife and the, the, the daughter, um, you know, it, she just needs more space. And, um, I've always been one of those individuals who will, you know, work to take the sacrifice, um, of a larger place. It's going to be more money, of course, but Hey, what, if you want something bigger, obviously it's not going to come cheaper, right? <laughs> so uh, it's going to stay in the same neighborhood that we're at now, but it's going to be a little bit more, I don't know, gated because there's a, a more of a gated type situation. Um, I get a garage, <laughs> which some of you may like be like, oh, well, big deal, right? You have a garage. Well, yeah, I don't have a garage right now. And I used to have one and they're just very useful. You could put all kinds of crap in there, can't you? Uh, how many of you out there have a bunch of garages filled with crap, you know? And it's been great. Um, so looking forward to that. We'll see what, what happens to that. I'll keep you guys up to date on that. But it's that time again to really get into like what's really burning in my heart, in my soul right now. And what's, and many of you are probably like on your, on the edge of your seat and you know, you're probably wondering what's going on. And you know, it's some of it's things you already know about that's happening in our country. Um, and, and I just want to talk about it. And there's, there's one article that I was recently reading about that really triggered this today's, you know, pod and, um, which really, you know, really, really is what, um, caused me to want to, you know, come in today and talk to everybody here. Right. And if I could just find it, right. Okay. Here it is. I have it up. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, I have an iPhone, which I know it, but I, I usually get my daily news through, through flip or it's that app flip. And basically it has, as many of you probably, if you have it, it's just a variety of different articles on there. Anything from news to entertainment to whatever you, you decide that you want to, you know, get your daily feed in, right? Um, but one of the articles was quite interesting, which really I wanted to talk about. And one of them is, Dear News Media, Stop Covering the U.S. as if it's a democracy, right? And it, it was a really interesting piece. And it was actually just so I can give credit. Uh, let me see who wrote this. Uh, I think it was Rob Win Win Winsberg, and it was with the correspondent. Now, mind you, I don't know if this is you know right wing, left wing, whatever. I, I I'm just I was just looking at the content of what it was about, and it was interesting. So I just wanted to kind of get into it a little bit. And for many of you. You know, if you look through uh, the correspondent, you, you'll probably find that article. And um, first thing it starts off with is the problem with the fall of democracy is it doesn't simply happen like rain, a rain shower or thunderstorm. It unfolds like the slow and steady warming of climate, of the climate. Liberties aren't eliminated. They are restricted and violated until they erode. 
Rights aren't abolished. They are undermined and trampled until they become privileges. Truths aren't buried. They are mocked and twisted until everyone has their own. Democracy doesn't stumble and fall. It slides into decline. You know, so let me start off with that piece right there, that part right there. You know, and, and many of you out there are are thinking, wow, Joseph, you know, I live in the United States and I see things completely different than you do. I completely see things different. I see our democracy is strong. It's powerful under the current administration, right? And, and I'm not here to bash the Trump administration, although I don't like it. You know, we all can agree to disagree, you know, um, but... It's really, quite honestly, it's, it's it's going downhill, you know, it's going downhill, you know, so, um, you know, and I see it every single day and it, 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 it breaks my heart, folks. It breaks my heart to be able to see that. And I don't know about you, but over the last few months, over the last year, I've, I've grown angry you know, with what I've seen on TV and social media. And, and maybe many of you out there who are thinking, oh, wow, well, he just mentioned TV, you know, and social media. And that's not really reality out there, right, folks? And you're right. It's probably not a, 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 the healthiest bit of reality, right? Because, you know, it's manipulated in times, right? And I'm not saying that all news media is manipulated, Many of it is truthful, but some of it it is. Now I'm not a Fox watcher. I'm not a. I'm not really even a CNN watcher. I'm definitely not a one um, network um, watcher. What I watch is movies, folks. <laughs> what I watch is movies. What I do is I, I think I read too much news, and, and many times too much of what's on my phone. Like when I'm reading articles, is is opinions, right? Um, and so, and that's what we have to be very careful about folks, right? We have to be very careful about opinions out there because everybody has them. I have my opinions. You may not like the, my opinions. You may think I'm full of it, but you may agree with some things. I'm hoping you do. That's why you tune in to listen, right? Um, I personally, you know what? I, I personally would not want to watch somebody on the news because their motives for getting you to listen or watch them are completely different than mine, everybody. You know, I'm a nobody, and I've told you that before. Um, but I, I'm just trying to get my voice out. I'm trying to get the, the, the voices in my head to stop talking to me, you know? Not literally, folks, but I just have that voice inside me that's really always constantly nagging at me about things that are going on in my life, in the world, and, and, and the only way I can really get it out to everybody is to really do these podcasts. And the other way is my, my blogging, you know? Um, so that's why I'm here with all of you, okay? Because I held in my voice for so many years. I mean, I wish I should have been, po I should have been podcasting probably years ago. I, I've had things to say. And I've gone online and I've tried to say it online through social media. I even get the ability to say it through um, through my blog, 
and you know I get a few likes here and there but it's really not the same um, it's not the same you know people so to speak um, so I have to try other avenues to try to get the my voice out there and I think podcasting is perfect um, I, I, I'm really considering quite honestly you know eventually maybe doing even a YouTube you know I don't know I'm still considering it I, I don't know how many people out there would want to see my my ugly mug you know <laughs> you know I'm probably not as ugly as I think I am but um, I, I don't know you know you know I, I I guess that's why a lot of people out there in, in YouTube land you know they they create videos and there's thousands of millions of videos out there of everything you can possibly manage imagine excuse me I, I I wonder if it's something you know more that we need out there do we need another voice in YouTube you know I don't know right um but but really thinking about the fact that you know going back to what I was saying about how these last words a democracy doesn't stumble and fall it slides into decline right so so let me ask you guys out there you know um, what what do you think causes democracy to decline right well you know it's our laws it's those who uphold the laws it's those who say I'm gonna follow the law and in my opinion the Trump administration has not now some of you may not agree with me some of you say well what what has he done what what has he broken the law why is he in prison right well you know it he normally by anybody's standards probably would be in prison right now for the things he's done um, but he's the president of the United States folks and so he has a lot of protections that y you and me don't have okay you know and he also has the Attorney General who is his access his personal attorney although he is supposed to be the Attorney General for the United States of America he does the bidding for our president and I believe that I truly do you know some of you may not like that some of you may think that you know he's Attorney Barr is just an upstanding um, attorney he's been in being an attorney he's been in you know as an attorney general before he's 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 worked with different presidents he's worked in federal government all his most of his adult life you know probably and I don't know his whole backstory to be honest with you so um, and I really I don't care to know his whole backstory I just know that in this time in history you know is he doing what he's supposed to be doing you know uh, in, in my opinion he mocks the he mocks those who take the law seriously and you may say well you know he takes it seriously he's the Attorney General well yeah he should be taking the law seriously but again there's things that he has done that you know to protect the president as far as I know he's even going to uh, work towards protecting the president with um, the recent cases of, of the amount of rapes that he's being accused of and he wants to take that case from the state to the federal which means each of you who are federal taxpaying individuals are going to pay for that trial or pay for that, you know, that court. You know, so is that something you really want? All right. I'm still baffled by the fact that um, 
he has spent over I think 140 million dollars of our money golfing um, when he's supposed to be the president who is supposed to be running the country instead he's out there golfing right I mean the whole administration is just a pure hypocrisy right it is it is you know I'm not saying that every administration since the dawn of time is perfect of course not I'm not saying that each presidency didn't do things that we can't nitpick and say well he shouldn't have that he shouldn't have that oh they shouldn't definitely have done that um, every presidency is gonna be different right and I'll give some credit in the sense that you know what it's it's a job that not everybody wants to do it's, it's a job that not everybody can do you know there's so many different facets to running the United States of America you're actually the 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 a moral leader of a nation in a sense you're also the um, you really set the bar for other countries and when the United States sets a very low bar of how we should conduct ourselves and one of those ways we've not conducted ourselves is this recent pandemic right now most of you are probably like oh Joseph I'm sick to death of it you know I don't want to hear about the pandemic you know 200,000 people are dead yeah yeah so yeah big deal right okay that's what what many of the attitudes are out there today and especially the president and you some of you out there are going to disagree you're going to be like no the president you know he cares about those 200,000 no he doesn't no he doesn't because with recent events that have taken place um, knowing that and we all knew this was coming that COVID was here in January but yet um, and, and I believe what really you know confirmed it was that new book by Bob Woodward of Woodward and Bernstein in his new book Rage I think I think that's his book and it really confirms a lot of things such as you know yeah he knew about it he knew the virus was dangerous and he chose not to do anything in a sense not to panic the markets not panic you and me because in our my opinion and I'll say that all of this is my opinion um, we are old we are big enough as a country to fully you know comprehend a, 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 a virus comprehend the seriousness and although we're gonna have panic to a certain degree because it is scary we'll get over it we'll be fine if we nip it in the bud early and that's unfortunately what we didn't do right it is my belief that if we had nipped it in the bud early back in January or February we probably wouldn't have had any real lockdowns we probably wouldn't have had any businesses closing you know we probably would not have a vaccine until you know because vaccines definitely take time and the vaccine probably won't be available you know to the American people until probably April of next year sometime which is pretty much what um, the CDC um, had uh, estimated so and not everybody is most likely going to need a vaccine but at least the vaccine is going to be available um, there are still people who are suffering with COVID I think what we have like 200,000 um, 
deaths due to COVID and we have about 6 million cases of people infected with COVID, right? Um, that's, I believe that's just in the United States, but uh, I will confirm those dates. Um, excuse me, those um, statistics. Let's see, COVID uh, tracker. And you know, I'm here online. So it looks like San Bernardino County, which is what I'm part of, we have, we've had 51,750 confirmed cases of COVID, 858 deaths, which is a pretty small number, although those, those deaths do definitely matter. Okay, of course they do. California, we've had 781,436 um, confirmed cases, up 2,459. Deaths, we had 14,912, um, up 29. United States, 6,819,709. And it's been confirmed cases, 8,266 cases. We are now at 201,735 cases. And the people that recovered, which is 3,689,081, and it's increased as far as recovered by 18,616. Global cases, we have 30,674,000 cases, up of 270. 8,498. We've had 955,000 deaths, right? So a million, up close to a million soon. Um, we just up, it's up 5,006 deaths, recovered 20,908,811, right? So, you know, I'm, like I mentioned, folks, I'm in California, okay? And we're, we're in a hot spot. You know why? Because primarily that's because we are in a very condensed state, right? And, you know, we have many people in our, our good old state of California who choose not to wear masks, who continue to call the COVID a hoax, and who continue to feel like, hey, you know, COVID is just some big conspiracy that the U.S. government is, is doing to control us, right? And, you know, you, you, it's amazing what's out there, folks. I go on to, like, Bing or Yahoo, and there's trackers out there, the COVID tracker, which is tracking every active case out there. And, you know, it's just amazing, you know. I, I You know, it is. And it really is just blows my mind how much tracking goes on i recommend you guys go check it out it, it's interesting you know but california like i was mentioning we're we're a hot spot texas is another hot spot florida another hot spot um where else we have new york is another hot spot um i'm looking to see where there's barely anything right montana there's barely nothing you know and, and we don't know Quite honestly, sometimes if, uh, if those are being reported, you know, the big conspiracy is that, you know, how are these things being reported and are they being reported as they should be, right? Um, you also want to look at, you know, my wife is from El Salvador, right? And just looking at those cases, right, globally. 
So let me see if I can find something there. If I can. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Honduras, Guatemala. Sorry, folks, I'm just looking here. But anyways, I mean, although, you know, you look at those other countries, they're a lot smaller than ours. You know, they can definitely have a, a very much of a devastating effect on those on those uh, countries as well. Um, but not to get off topic here, because that's really what I was going to I was doing a, a minute ago. Um, getting back to what I was saying is, you know, how did democracy slide and decline? Right. Well, again, it goes back to the laws, goes back to following the laws. Um, we have an impeached president, which many 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 people out there feel that it was unjustified that he shouldn't be impeached um people feel that oh well you know you know especially with the Mueller report and, and the investigation that took place over a year um you know just a lot of factors our democracy right now is being threatened by bad actors. And I believe that. Like Russia and China, okay? Iran, all right? But we are in bed with Russia, okay? And I believe that. I believe our president is compromised in some way, which we will never know. All I know is that, you know, he's in, he, he's in bed with them for some whatever reason. They are using our social media as a form of way of attacking us. They're using our own technology against us, folks, by posting things online, um, by making people believe false information. Um, but, you know, the, the sad fact is that we're stupid enough to believe it, right? You know, we, we're in one of the most sophisticated nations in the world, one of the most intelligent nations in the world, but we don't have the brightest people out there, do we? I think a lot of people out there understand this. You know, I'm an educated man. I have a master's degree. I'm not some dope who, you know, you know, I'm educated. I know how to think critically about the issues. I know how to think for myself. I don't need somebody to tell me, you know, what the truth is. I can go search it for it myself, you know. And yes, the danger is that online... How do you distinguish what's the truth or not anymore? How do you distinguish that, right? So it's really quite scary. Um, I'm continuing to read Orwell's 1984 as we speak. And it's just amazing to me just the, the incredible similarities that are between that book and between um, what's going on in our country, right? So I'm at the part, you know, where I believe... Um, Winston and Julia meet, um, are learning about the Brotherhood. Um, and it's just interesting how um, Winston had just received the book, right? And the book, which is the theory and practice of... Oh, I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, and I apologize, folks. 
Autobiographical Collectivism by Emmanuel Goldstein, right? So he has the briefcase. He's reading through it. And it, it's just incredible that, you know, just what the similarities are, such as the striking of fear in people in a democracy. Striking a fear in people to make them feel afraid, to feel like their country is the only one that can save them. That they need to be afraid. And one of the interesting points that was made about Julia is like, well, um, it's probably we're just bombing ourselves, you know, for people to be afraid, right? We're just hurting ourselves. And it's all being done by the government, right? So let me ask you folks out there, what do you think the government does to strike fear in us? You know, what kind of actions do you think they take? Well, okay, we'll bring up one of these points, okay? And, and again, just recent events with the protests, right? Okay, especially in Portland. Um, I'll use that as an example where protesters, BML, you know, Proud Boys, white supremacists, you name it, was out there um, near the federal building. And, you know, the Gestapo police came and, you know, started beating up people. And I, I, some of you may not agree with me calling them that because you're, you probably be like, well, they are law enforcement, sir. You should respect them, right? And I do respect law enforcement. I respect them. I, I know we need them. Um, it's perfectly possible to back the blue, although I don't particularly like that term back the blue you know because there's no blue people all right they're human beings like you and me they have a job to do um but they are given the responsibility of incredible power okay we in the united states you you and your counties you and your states you and your local governments give those police officers federal police officers agents power to oversee the nation and they know they have the power. They live by a code that's much different than us, folks. Yes, you know, and they know that. They know essentially like what they can get away with, what they can't, and who's going to protect them. Okay? Um, typically, the unions protect workers like any other union, right? The, um, the police union, so let me see this. How big... Is the police union. So the largest national union per se. Is an international union of police associations. Which is about 20,000 members. Which is among that of 20% of police union affiliations. Of organized labor. Right. So there's a huge amount. Right. Currently as you know. The police unions endorse Trump. Right. And which is understandable. Right. He is considered wanting to be the law and order president. And, and why is that, folks? And that's because Trump has greenlighted them, the police, to act in the manner that they are right now. And he doesn't condone the police behavior. He actually, in many cases, will condone the citizens that are being treated poorly against. Now, I'm not saying those citizens, all of them, are innocent. I am not saying that. But there have been many cases of innocent citizens who get shot, who get killed, because 
a police officer, a federal agent has an itchy trigger finger. And, you know, many times those people don't have guns. They don't have knives, you know, and, and this is what I don't understand. Okay, folks, and I'm not a police officer. I don't I, I don't understand what they go through. You know, I'm, I'm sure it's a dangerous job out there. Um, but why would you shoot somebody who has a knife, folks? Like, why would you kill somebody who has a knife? You know, yes, a knife is a dangerous weapon, but you have a gun. You know, you have a taser. You have other weapons to bring them down. I don't personally believe that you need to kill everybody. Okay? You really don't. But some of you out there will probably disagree that, you know, you, know, you should kill them. If they have a knife and they're threatening you, you just shoot them dead. Boom, they're gone. You know, loss of life, who cares, right? Piece of scum, get them off the earth, right? Yeah, that, that's some of the attitude, right? And there's a lot of innocence that, that go out there. But the two arguments that you're going to see, and I know I get a little off topic, is that, well, you know, a lot of police officers are getting shot too. You know, what about those lives? Well, yes, those lives are obviously important too, you know? Um, so let's see, how many officers died in 2020 so far let's see how many and there's always statistics on everything folks so that's if it lets me see it <laughs> total line of duty deaths it looks like it's 200 that's what it states and it breaks it down in months um, September, we've had 11. Hmm. Interesting. January 12. Wow. In April, we had 39 deaths. May, we have 27. June, we have 21. In July, we have 38. Right? So there's been a lot of deaths out there, right? Some of them are, are young, you know, some of them are different ages, different, different backgrounds. But as you know, yes, um, a police officer's job is very dangerous. We all, we're all aware of that, right? You know, and you know, yes, we got to respect the, those who are in uniform, right? Um, but, but it's my belief that we also need reforms to get those police who are abusing the system off the force, right? Because there are bad apples out there, right? Not all of them. I've actually met some very... In my past, I've met some incredibly professional police officers. The best example I can remember, which was a couple years ago, uh, me and my daughter and wife went to my sister's apartment um, for Thanksgiving. It was actually on Thanksgiving. And um, I was trying to park the car. I was letting the family out of the car so they can go up to the apartment. Um, literally, it's like, no parking, okay? I made a mistake. I made an error of judgment. Um, my daughter got away. She slipped away. My, she ran to my father, my, her grandfather. Her grandfather wasn't watching. Um, she ran across the walkway or street kind of thing. It was actually in a way where cars were driving through because it was a very, and, and a car hit her. It struck her. Luckily, she's alive, thank God. You know, probably feel like an angel pulled her out of the way, but um, 
it hit her and that's because that that car was kind of driving very fast through the parking lot and the police were called and ambulance was there and everybody gets there you know <laughs> thank god right and uh, they took very good care of her they they were very respectful they took a report um the driver from was there he stopped but from what i hear he didn't learn his lesson last time he kept driving very quickly again through that same parking lot um and these cops were tough, man. They were tough. There was one particular one. I don't remember all their names, and I really don't because, you know, it's it's like police are in and out of your life. And in a good way, you, you really don't want police in your life, okay, in a, in a way. You don't want them like, like that unless they're a family member. You know, you don't want the remembrance of, like, that bad day. And they'll always remember that Thanksgiving, right? Um, my daughter flew a few feet, of, you know, on the side. Knocked her on her tush and uh, in her nice Thanksgiving dress, you know, um, took her to the hospital. She had some scrapes and bruises, no damage um, to her body. She was perfectly fine. Like I said, an angel took her away, you know, as far as moved her out of the way of that car. Um, but those police were incredibly professional. I think it was the El Monte police or San Gabriel police, I forgot which ones once, right? Probably the CHP, you know, who knows? I, I forget the sheriffs. Everyone shows up during those situations, right? Um But, you know, just we, we understand the, the the importance of the police, right? We get that and I respect that, right? Um going back to what I was saying with the article, okay, the problem with the daily news is that it obsesses with over what's happening, making it harder to grasp what unfolds. Breaking news, by its nature, is ill-equipped to cover the demise of democracy. Just as a weather report never really shows us climate is changing, breaking news shows the world as a place of sheer madness without a rhyme or a reason, a non-stop series of unrelated events. It's like a diary without a memory or a notion of the future. It tells us um, of today while it has forgotten all about yesterday and pretending there's no tomorrow. It mean, it warns and warns and warns, but immediately forgets that it's warning against, thus never learning from its own wailing sirens. For the past four years, ever since Donald J. Trump took a presidential office, his fundamental flaw in the fabric of news has hit harder than ever before. For four years, the newest U.S. news has been what you get when you combine a North Korean obsession with the head of state, with Rupert Mur Murdoch's business model, a deranged cult of personality interrupted only by commercial breaks, a presidential hypnosis paid for by Procter & Gamble and Amazon, a totalitarian Twitterocracy which we lurch from, Incident to riot to tweet to disaster to lunacy to lie to crisis to disbelief to attack to mudslinging to insult to conspiracy theory without facing the consequences of the pattern the steady slide into decline the disturbing story behind um, all the frenzy chaos news is that of a country that is in a democracy in name only a kleptocracy. In actual practice, and it's well on its way, becoming an auto, uh, autocracy, full stop, right? A kleptocracy, 
rule by thieves arises when those in power loot state resources for private benefit. Now, isn't that what our president does, folks? The $140 million not divesting his interest from his business when he became president of the United States. I don't give a damn if he gives up his $400,000 salary and takes zero money. I put those in quotation marks, folks. Because we know he's getting paid, folks. He, we know that, all right? And many of the, the Trumpers out there want to not believe that he's basically working for free. Our president is such a hard worker. He's such a hard worker, guys. You know, I'm sorry. He watches about 12 hours of Fox News every day, folks. I guarantee it. All right. I believe he's, it is said that his calendar starts around noon. Okay, what the hell is he doing from 6 a.m. to noon, right? All right. So, you know, I, I, I don't look at his calendar. And I, I frankly don't want to see his calendar. Because it's a bunch of lies, okay? They could put whatever they want in that calendar. How am I going to believe it's true? You know, they could make us try to believe, well, he is the busiest man on this earth. He is just so damn busy that he has no time for nobody else. But, you know, but he certainly has time for golf, folks. He certainly has time for that, right? You know, going back in the article, a country that has seen its public spirit crumble into neoliberal rubble over the past 40 years that has seen its conservative party transform in a fact-free secretarian movement that has seen the gap between poor and rich, black and white, urban and rural grow into, into a chasm so wide that it is united in name only. And I believe that, folks. I am not, I am not um, brainwashed into believing that we are in a country other than that. We are in name only. That is held together only by worn out myths. Myths about free and fair elections. About social mobility. About being a beacon to the world and about itself. Or as of late stand-up comedian George Carlin. It's called the American dream for a reason. You have to be asleep to believe it. Isn't that true? Isn't that true folks? How many of us are looking for the American dream and it's not even within grasp anymore. How many of you went to college and still paying off your student loan debt? How many of you are working at McDonald's and you have a college degree? How many of you are fighting each and every day to feed your damn families? To put food on the table? To give them health insurance? How many of you are fighting and do you still protect the president because you say he's not responsible while he eats in luxury, while he spends time in his country clubs? And you think that doesn't matter, folks? It matters. People can only dream about the American dream nowadays, right? Well, it is said that, you know, that, you know, the people that are suffering the most are the people of color, black, Hispanic, 
other cultures that are trying to reach the American dream, but the bar keeps getting raised, right? Right? And yes, there is an income disparity in this country, right? If you think or you believe that everybody ha is entitled or gets the same salary as you and me or, or your, your colleagues, they don't, okay? There are disparities, all right? There are, all right? So let's see if we can find some income disparities in the U.S. Let's just look between blacks and whites, right, for instance, right? Is there a wealth gap? Of course there is, right? So looking at something called, it's, I was looking at this article by Brookings, examining the black-white wealth gap. Close examination of wealth in the U.S. finds evidence of a staggering racial disparities. At 171000 the net worth of a typical white family is nearly 10 times greater than that of a black family. 17150 in 2016. Gaps in wealth between black and white households reveal the effects of accumulated inequality and discrimination as well as differences in power and the opportunity that can be traced back to the nation's inception. The black-white um, gap reflects a society that has not and does not afford equity, equality, equality of opportunity to all its citizens. Efforts by black Americans to build wealth can be traced back throughout American history, but these efforts have been impeded in a host of ways, beginning with the 246 years of um, cattle slavery and followed by congressional mismanagement of the Freeman Savings Bank. All right. That's, let's stop there. The history of matters for, you know, um, contemporary inequality is part because its legacy is passed down generation to generation through unequal monetary inheritances, which make up a great deal of current wealth. In 2020, Americans are projected to inherit $765 billion in gifts and bequests. Excluding wealth transfers to spouses and transfers that support minor children, inheritances count for roughly about 4% of annual households income, much of which goes untaxed by the U.S. government, folks. All right. You know, this, this kind of goes into my next song, all right? And I, and I, and this, I think this is a perfect example of, you know, let, let's go into it, all right? So let's play it here. Many of you are going to love this song. Um, it was recently played in a Target for a bunch of anti-maskers, right?
We're not gonna take it. Right, folks? Twisted Sister right there, folks. And that is the perfect anthem for we as a people are not going to take it anymore, right? We're fed up. You know, I know the anti-maskers are fed up, right? Because they played that marching down the par- a parade in Target. I don't know what state or what that was playing that song, right? I can find out here. Let's see. Let's take a look here. I don't know what to say. Let's see. And even the singer D. Snyder does not want any masters singing We're Not Gonna Take It, right? Because right? he's fed up, right? Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Absolutely, right? That was crazy. So, Twisted Sister. No, these selfish assholes do not have my permission or blessing to use my song for their moronic cause. Thank you, D. Snyder. Thank you. And how many times have the Trump administration tried to use um, songs of artists and they told him he couldn't, right? Well, thank God for artists, right, who be able to choose in this country still what songs they are going to be allowed to play, but that doesn't stop him from trying. So really, I was just interested, you know, in what what the meaning is. And obviously, we all kind of know what the meaning of we're not going to take it anymore. But it says song facts. This is a mighty anthem for anyone lashing out at an authority figure and ready to put up a fight. The song is in short is short on specifics, so it can apply to just about any situation where we are battling the powers that be. This is an all purpose approach was intentional and gave the song a timeless quality. In our interview with Twisted Sister frontman D. Snyder, he explained, we're not going to take it whether I was singing about my parents, my teachers, my bosses, my peers, people around me. And I felt it was important not to define it by actually naming names and singing, Dad, you're so trite and jaded. I hate my teachers too. And thus the song has had life in sporting events, um, at political rallies, at protests, pretty much anybody who's not taking something from somebody else they're going to break into we're not going to take it all over the world. Perfect anthem, right, folks? I like it. I'll keep playing that song over and over again. There's other songs that I was thinking about, you know, playing here. Um, Rage Against the Machine came to mind, you know. Um, I felt they were good as well. So going back to, you know, our article, right? The United States of America Republic without the public. It would be a major misconception to assume that the downfall of U.S. democracy started in November 2016 when Trump was elected. In fact, it's the other way around. The first openly kleptocratic president moving in the White House marked the consumption of its decay, not its initial con- conception. Born from, the, from theft, built on slavery, held together by self-deception, the United States has grown into the richest poor country in the history of humankind it is a country that has violence in its dna's in inequity embedded in its genes and a completely mystical self-image as its national identity it's a country with the world's highest gdp where 40 million people live below the poverty line the only industrialized nation on the planet without universal health care 
any real social welfare system or decent retirement provisions. The only free nation where one in 40 adults are behind bars and which has more guns in circulation than people living within the borders. The only Western economy where the richest three inhabitants hold more wealth than the poorest of the entire population. The U.S. in short, a country without a social contract, it's a republic that has been stripped away the public, right? And it's led by a political party that can no longer be called a party in any real sense. Because while many journalists still tend to refer to it as such, the Republican Party is no longer a, a, a political party at all. It's become a secretarian movement. Its transformation is rooted in an increasingly intimate alliance with the country's corporate elite, tied to an increasingly radical type of identity politics. At this point, political scientists Thomas E. Maine and Norman J. Orstein conclude the party has become a radical insurgency, ideologically extreme, scornful of, the, of compromise, unmoved by conventional understanding of facts, evidence, and science, and dismissive of the legitimacy of its political opposition. In fact, there's almost no moderate Republican left, right? And there's no need for them either because the GOP doesn't really represent the people. Its power base rests solely on the illusion of a democratic mandate for the American spectacle that dominates our front pages every four years has very little to do with free or fair elections. Okay, so how many of you out there think that we have fair elections out there, right? If you do, you're fooling yourself. We are, we don't, okay? I believe that our elections are compromised and I'm not drinking the water thinking that, oh, you know, oh, you're just being force fed by the Dems, right? No, I, there's been, there's been studies, there's been confirmations that our elections are compromised by the Russians, particularly. Not only that, but could be Iranians, could be the Chinese, all right? We have we have actually weaknesses that could have been corrected a long time ago where we've actually had, you know, laws that were supposedly, um, or bills, excuse me, that were passed in Congress by the U.S. House of Representatives that sit on Moscow's Mitch's desk as we speak, that he feels it's a partisan issue not to approve those, not to bring them up, uh, above with the Senate there's about 210 bills, over 200 bills sitting on his desk that he has ignored that have came from the U.S. House of Representatives, right? So you tell me how is that fair, right? How is that fair? Our elections are ripe for a takeover and we are sitting ducks, folks. The President of the United States is always, is, uh, has already questioned, he's already excuse me, created his campaign around questioning the results of the future elections as the Dems are going to rig the elections. Okay? And there's no, there's no proof that there's been fraud with mail-in voting or absentee voting. Okay? It's very rare, and I believe that. Okay? But others out there, the Trumpers, want to believe 
that yeah we're compromising the sense of our own um, people here right that our own citizens the people that work with us the people who who work within our state governments who are supposed to be looking over those um, results are going to compromise and are going to steal the election right to get their way right I don't believe that and maybe you feel I'm fooling myself you'd be like think well yeah you know it's not gonna be fair now well where you know was were we thinking this a few years ago oh no you know why because because now the people believe like a broken record that we we are in trouble and in a way we are folks you know we have states that are limiting those who want to vote especially the black and brown vote certain states would not do not want those individuals to vote because many of them vote dem democrat and many of them don't want them to vote right i'm not sure the percentage of you know black republicans or latino republicans in the united states let's see percentage of latino republicans In the U.S., I don't know if I could find some t- statistic that quickly. Um, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't. I'll have to keep looking for that, right? But thinking about that, right? Um, yes, there are Latinos for Trump. Yes, there's blacks for Trump. You know, there's probably Asians for Trump. You know, there's probably a lot of different demographics for Trump, right? Um, but it, it is my belief that they are the ones trying to make unfair elections, the Republicans, right? And that is my belief, right? Because there's been history there of doing that, right? Gentrification. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Of where those party lines are, of who can vote, and what counties um, get help, right? Thinking of that, right? Going back to the article, it takes millions and millions of dollars to run for the president in the first place. And candidates need at least a half a billion to fund their PR campaigns to have a decent shot at winning. That funding is largely solicited from a country's biggest banks, titans of technology, pharmaceutical firms, oil companies, and individual billionaires who financial support ensure their in political influences. The victory paid for these hundreds of millions of lobby dollars can hardly be considered representative of, an Ameri- of the American people. So it's really buying the vote, folks, right? Is that, that's where we're at, buying the vote. You know, and don't get me wrong. Republicans and Democrats both do it. Donald Trump and Biden both have big backers, you know. But could they win if they didn't have any money? Could they win if they were dirt poor? It might be very hard. It, it might be very difficult because of the world we live in today. Which includes media, social media, TV ads. All cost a lot of money, folks, right? 
To be sure, democracies are never perfect. All reflect the structural inequalities in which they exist and the ways in which the power can tug the systems in their favor. But almost anywhere in the world is a gap between the political preferences of ordinary voters and the priorities of the elite as great as it is in the United States. And almost nowhere else do the results of the election differ so dramatically from how people cast their votes in the voting booth. For the final result is based not on the popular vote, but on the electoral vote, a system that was by design heavily biased in favor of less densely populated southern states in exchange for their abolishment of slavery. This system has been made less representative every election by means of process known as gerrymandering. No wonder voter turnout in the U.S. is among the lowest in the industrialized world. Nearly half of eligible voters do not take part in the elections. This isn't just because of a political apathy. It is caused by deliberate voter suppression. Millions of U.S. Americans, most of them living in poverty and black, are systematically blocked from voting, and we see that today. I think we saw it in North Carolina where about 500,000 black voters votes were systematically just thrown away. They weren't counted, right? I may be wrong on the statistics, but I know it was a large number, right? Those who do venture and try to usually end up spending hours standing in an excruciatingly long line only to cast their ballot on a highly unreliable voting machine. In other words, the U.S. lacks nearly all the elements of a functioning democracy, a social contract, a representative electoral system, free and fair elections, political parties that follow democratic practices, and universal suffrage. Instead, it has an electability threshold starting at hundreds of millions of dollars, a political process completely determined by billionaires and large corporations, an electoral system that is fundamentally skewed and discouraged and sabotaged electoral. Democracy? What democracy? Right? So thinking about that, right? Thinking about that, that is, blows my mind, folks. Blows my mind, and it's so true, right? What do you need to become president? Well, you need a lot of money. That's why a majority of the presidents who become president are incredibly wealthy, rich, right? And they rely heavily on the elite. They rely heavily on the billionaires, the tech companies, to, to sway those who are going on there, um... To, to determine, you know, the end result. You think Facebook, Twitter, Instagram are not focused on trying to win an election a certain way? You think that Facebook is not trying to help Donald J. Trump be the next president for a second term and put down Joe Biden? You think that can't happen? You think that Twitter has no responsibility and what it's doing as far as fueling or feeding the hate that goes on online, putting certain videos, allowing certain things. And I'm not saying that we should limit or um, quiet voices, but when does decency go out the window? You know, it's already started and it's already there. I told you folks, I had to step away from Twitter I've been gone for about a month now. I have not gone back. I still have an account there. 
I was recently just watching what's called The Social Dilemma on Netflix. And just the incredible amount of manipulation that goes into social media to try to get your mind to sway a certain way. I'm done, folks. I don't know how much more I could take of being social media. I do not want my mind swayed by anybody but myself. We think we're smart enough to handle it. But deep down, one of the points that I was in the documentary was that our brains were never meant to comprehend or be able to deal with the amount of influence of the amount of people that come across us on a daily basis. So just like you, many of you out there may not have millions of followers, but maybe, maybe you have a few thousand. Okay, that's a lot of people. To try to you're you're trying to get their attention. You're 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 constantly glued to your phone. You think that's on purpose, folks? It's not. They know what they're doing. I recommend you watch it. I'm still in the process of watching um, social the social dilemma as we speak. It is just blowing my mind. I am going to cancel Facebook, and I'm not just doing that because of the documentary. I'm doing that because I hate what I see on there. It's just right wing. People doing horrible things to other people. I see, you know how many videos compared to, you know, I see about 85% of things promoting Trump compared to like 15% promoting Biden or other candidates. You think that's on purpose too? No, it's not. It's not on purpose, folks. You know, I, I, I should just create my own social media site. I, I'm... Like I said earlier, folks, in a few, what I was talking about, I'm trying to build websites, right? I'm taking class on Udemy. And although that doesn't make me an expert, it, it hopefully would get me started into really thinking critically about what kind of website, what kind of platform would I want to create, right? Really interesting. Let me, let me play our last song here before we run out of time. This song, I think, may not completely deal with our times, but it really deals with in a certain way okay but it's by it's zombie by the cranberries all right and let me play this and then we'll kind of talk about it because we're running out of time folks i only got a certain amount left few minutes left um and i want to get this done with all right
powerful. Love that song. It's just a powerful song. <sighs> Brings me back to high school days. <laughs> oh, man, just thinking about that. At a point you don't think about it. It is a protest song, folks. Protest just what's going on. Protest the anger. Protest the inequalities that are happening today. Lastly, what I'm going to talk about is just going into the last part of this article. How the U.S. has become a kleptocracy, right? So I'm pronouncing that probably wrong and I apologize, folks. So from that perspective, the ascendance of Donald J. Trump to the seat of the U.S. power isn't an astounding deviation from the natural order of things, but rather the completely logical outcome of a development that has been progressing for decades. A country without any sense of common good, grown fat on exploitation, held together by fundamental falsehoods, will ultimately get a leader who suits that, set, that setting perfectly. A leader without any coherent ideology, driven by greed and self-enrichment, owning no fealty to fact. What is new, however, is the ultimately kleptocratic is the U.S. has become. Behind the immeasurable vagaries of Trump's personality and political agenda, one factor is consistently present. The systematic enrichment of himself, his family, and the elite to which they belong. And the shamelessness which, with which it takes place. The shamelessness was apparent from day one. At Trump's very first press conference as president, he stood behind the lectern and gestured to a table covered with stacks of paper. Those folders, he said, were full of documents describing how he had relinquished control of his business empire. Those documents, it turned out later, were all blank. The empty sheets of paper that represented his first official lie as head of state would be filled with more than 20,000 demonstrable lies in the four years that followed. In the meantime, Trump rerouted millions of U.S. tax dollars into his own business accounts. In the three-year period from 2015 to 18 alone, over $16 million in campaign funds and taxpayer money went to Trump's own businesses. The president has frankly spent the night in his own hotels, tucking in at least a million in public funds in his own pocket, staying in those self-same hotels. The U.S. Secret Service paid as much as 650 per night to accommodate the president's secret security detail, expending hundreds of thousands of additional tax dollars that went to Trump-owned properties. Trump also appointed immediate family members, as you know, and their spouses to positions of power on an unofficial basis, also to circumvent the rules against nepotism. His daughter Ivanka Trump became senior advisor to the president, as did her husband, Jared Kushner. Andrew Giuliani, the son of Trump's personal attorney, was appointed to public liaison assistant. His sons, Don Jr. and Eric Trump, were put in charge of the Trump Organization. Since their father's inauguration, they made over $100 million in property deals, some of which acquired approval from Trump administration itself. Those same family members turned this year's Republican National Convention, the political's main event leading up to the national elections, into a parade of brazen kleptocracy. Six of the key 12, six of the 12 key speakers shared the president's last name. And we all knew that. Meanwhile, Trump cut $6 billion from the federal budget for subsidized housing, directed direct competition to his own property 
empire slash federal taxes by nearly 1.5 trillion with over a third that's going to the richest 1% of US citizens, meaning multimillionaires just like him. 70% of the tax cut went directly into the pockets of the top 20% earners in the country. As cherry on top of the kleptocratic cake, Trump uses presidential powers to pardon 25 convicted criminals, nearly all of them friends, acquaintances, or political supporters, nearly all unusually early in his presidency, letting his inner circle know they have nothing to fear in terms of legal prosecution. No other president has exercised the clemency power for such patently personal and self-serving purposes. Warned, but their warnings fell on death ears since death since Trump had single-handedly derailed the safeguards put in place to prevent the abuses of power. Case in point, the U.S. Justice Department is currently moving to shield the president from prosecution for rape, a level of political intervention from judicial process that is unprecedented seen by U.S. standards. Democracy in the dark, concealed behind the curtain of news as usual. Of all these things, each and every one story after story have been in news even the pattern hasn't gone unnoticed for weeks after trump was sworn in as president the washington post unveiled its new slogan democracy dies in darkness it was the first official slogan in the newspaper's long history referencing a phrase used by most famous investigative journalist bob woodward who broke the watergate affair which is also the same one who wrote Rage that recently came out to speak about how Trump knew about the coronavirus early and did nothing, essentially causing 200,000 deaths that were basically blood on his hands, right? This article is very fascinating, folks. It's, you know, I recommend you read it. I, I don't want to go further because I can keep going <laughs> I don't I doubt you guys want to keep hearing me speak but you know where are we headed right now recently the dearly departed RBG Ruth Bader Ginsburg recently passed which is another area that you can really get into a whole discussion about Mitch McConnell aka Moscow Mitch has recently made it known that he is really and going to push for the next Supreme Court justice right before election. Something he said that he would never do when Obama was in president, he definitely did stop that and did not bring in a new justice until I believe one year, until a, until a new president was chosen. Hypocrisy as hypocrisy, of course, folks. Their GOP ultimately is their role is or their goal, I should say, is ultimately to turn the courts into a conservative court, abolish Roe versus Way, abortion basically, and you know, get their agenda done. The vote is coming up, folks, November third. We must all go out and vote. Stand in line. Do what it takes. Our democracy in name only, yes, but we can change that. We can get back to the way things need to be. Rule, rule and order, law and order. Each night, you know, this scares the hell out of me because I don't know 
you know, what's going to happen in the next few years. I don't know what the future is going to hold, right? Is it possible that we could turn into a country of um, communism, authoritativism, fascism, all the isms? Yeah, we could. Uh, it's not out of our reach, folks. Countries have gone through this before. You know, countries who believe in leaders, you know, look at Nazi Germany, right? That's another example. I will say this. I would never, obviously, with Adolf Hitler, a monster. One of the things I have said before, which I'm not saying this in a sense, you know, to uplift him in no way. But, you know, Adolf Hitler was known as an incredible speaker. Okay, he knew how to grasp the people. He knew how to get people to do and to believe and to follow. Another form of brainwash people, another fault of cultism. I'm not going to do that. As a Christian, I'm pretty disgusted and dismayed over the evangelicals of how they've acted as a cult. I'm sorry for my brothers and sisters out there who are who 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 are going through this. Many of them our eyes are open, many of them are not. Many of them are Trump 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 Trump. You know, we're just going to go for Trump. And with the recent signing of the um peace agreement, I don't think it's it's anything to do with peace personally. I think it's just a, a business deal between the UAE, Israel, and Bahrain. Bahrain. Because from what I hear is the UAE wants fighter jets. And yeah, they would come to the table to get those fighter jets, sign that treaty or whatever they signed, just to, to make sure that. Now, I'll, I'll leave it at this. I understand that Iran is, potentially is, a threat. And countries need to stand together against that threat. Who's helping our country? I'll leave you with that, with that last thought. Who's helping our country with peace? The rise of the right wing, the left wing, the radicals, the white supremacists, the racists coming out of the woodwork. They were hiding for so long in a sense, but now they're free, right? So watch out, folks. I'm not trying to strike fear in you, but we don't know what the reality is, you know? I'm not saying lock and load, but many people are out there locking and loading, right? Ready to fight the next civil war, as far as what they call it. Pretty scary stuff, right? The song I'm going to play ends our song tonight. This is a song I played in the beginning, but it's so fitting for today, right? Ah, goodness, folks. We could just keep talking. Talking and talking and talking. Luckily, my knock on wood, my app did not die. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> because this was a lot of, I had to get off my chest, folks. You know, I had to really talk about this. And this is probably not going to be the last conversation we're going to have um, with the elections coming up soon. 
weeks are changing new developments are coming every week with our our the white house what's in the news what i would recommend everybody my own personal recommendation is focus on the good focus on your families pick up a book and read stay off social media as much i know we all need to be informed i know we all need to read what's in the news but the news is not the news folks and hopefully i just showed you that now the news does not report the full truth all the time and i'm not saying again journalists are the enemy or their their fault many journalists out there are trying to put the news out there they really are and they're trying to put the truthful news but sometimes their voices are being stopped or silenced because newspapers magazines they truly don't want certain things to be put out there and be liable for the thoughts and opinions of those people who are really do see things in the rightful manner in the right way i hope in my case that you see how i think my opinions you may or may not agree with me and that's okay continue to fight for justice continue to open your eyes and see what's going on around you folks don't be manipulated okay really folks this is the time this is not the time to to go to sleep now folks okay it's not we are in a sense in a war in a digital war in a culture war in a race war we are in different wars going on we're in a personal war different things are happening right now folks different things are happening take care of your families protect them love them do what needs to be doing you need to do thank you for everything that you've done and been here with me folks i appreciate your support each and every day you're with me thank you so remember this our anthem right now and we're not going to take it folks we're not going to be bullied we're not going to be put down We should be angry at what's going on in our country, folks. Because it affects us all. It affects us all, folks. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me and just talk with Joe Meyer. It's a pleasure being your host tonight. Looking forward to talking to you once again, hopefully next week. And thank you for hearing me rant for about an hour and a half. God bless everyone. Have a great week. Take care. Be safe. Wear a mask. Protect yourself and your family. And have a great Sunday. Thank you. God bless you.